Hi everyone, welcome back to Front Page Football in the capital. Another exciting episode with another very special guest, Jordan Thurtle. Join us today, former Oliroos, Perth Glory, A-League goalkeeper and a bit of a legend here in the ACT. You might have heard his name in, in recent weeks. Um, Stephen Mock and Ben Garuccio mentioned him in their podcast Football and Friends because it was at the AIS when they were there. He was the, the player of the year in 2012 at the AIS and he rocked up a few more awards here in the capital. 2018, 2021, 2022, 2023, goalkeeper of the year and even player of the year in 2020. When he was playing at Monaro Panthers under friend of the show Frank Kasha when they won the treble with Jordan, we've talked about, of course, the very special position that is goalkeeper and what it means for a player to become a goalkeeper and what it takes as well. Uh, Jordan has an academy, so he, he talked to us about this. His time in the A League, what he thinks about Australian football now and, and the A League in general. A few words about uh, the national second division and, and his future now in the Sunshine Coast. Jordan Thurtle says everything, uh, you know, one of the one of those podcasts for the, the goalkeepers or the future goalkeepers and also the players who are wondering what it takes to beat the guy who wears the glove on the other side. Jordan Thurtle on FPF in the capital after this. What a goal! Max Green with a stunner! Daniel Barac, he must score! He's going to score! Camera Croatia leads! Real chance at the far post of McCarthy and they've got one back! It's unbelievable! What a finish! It's It's 1-1! Andre Carr from the bench! Mayhem in the Panthers' ranks! There is uh, one of the, uh, honestly, uh, most talented goalkeepers that I've been uh, uh, lucky to to watch play here in in Australia. Uh, Give us the honour to join us, Jordan Thurtle. How are you, Jordan? I'm going good, thank you. How are you doing? Very good. Look, thank you so much for uh, for giving us a bit of time to uh, to come here. And you know, we it's it's front page football in the capital, but uh, but but I guess you're not quite in the in the capital anymore. Uh, you, you moved away a bit. Just just tell us a little bit about about that. So you spent quite a bit of time in Canberra. And now you're uh, you're back in in the Sunshine Coast, are you? Yeah, yeah. So I spent about the last five years in Canberra, and then. About um, a month ago, me and my family moved to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Awesome, bit bit more, a uh, bit warmer than Canberra, is it? Over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- definitely a lot warmer and a bit of a shock to the system, but it's been awesome. Yeah, I bet it's good. Yeah, you have the uh, you have the Monaro Panthers shirt. I put the two Monaro Panthers shirts up there as well, just so we we, we all know that that's what we we're, we're talking about as far as your uh, Canberra life as of late. Uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, th- those Monaro Panthers year. I guess the the most recent years that you've been in in Canberra. How was it? Of course, Frank Frank Kasha is a, is a friend of the show and he's been on there a bit. And and when he was coaching you, you guys won a little bit. Um, how, how was playing in? Uh, in the New South Wales club of the ACT? Uh, it was awesome. So I, I spent two seasons at Monero and joined the, the club um, once Frank had, had spoke to me and I really didn't know what to expect. But sort of when I arrived, it was, it was something qu- not quite like I've experienced before. And it was um, an incredible culture at the club and inc- incredible players with a, a great playing group that just really gelled right from, right from the start. The uh, when you were playing, of course, we, we were just mentioning that. Um, you also had your uh, your goalkeeping academy, uh, which I, I think it's just 
amazing to have those, uh, you know, for, for professional players and, and goalkeepers of your level doing this academy. How, how did I come up? When did you decide to, uh, to start that? Uh, so when I moved to Canberra, I decided it was something that I wanted to pursue. And, and we started quite little, I think, with three goalkeepers and ended up with sort of around the 50 mark by the time we were finished. Um, but during that period, coached well over 100 goalkeepers um, of all different levels. And, um, yeah, it's something that I, I really enjoyed and it was great. Are we going to uh, to see you play now that you're in Sunshine Coast? Have you already found the, the next club? What, what's, uh, what's 2024 like for you? Yeah, I've, I've signed with uh, a, a club called Peninsula Power, um, which play in the MPL in Queensland. So looking forward to getting started with them in the coming weeks as well. Pre-season, is that the same as in Canberra? That's me being ignorant. Uh, the season's going to start in like about Feb, March or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I believe the I, I believe Football Queensland just released the the draw, and I think the cup games start the, the first week of February. So it's all it's all going to start pretty early next year. Very soon, very soon. And and as far as yeah. the academy, we were just talking about it before recording. Uh, you you still thinking about having it? Just just might take a little bit longer to uh, to set up up there. Yeah, I, I think it's something that I'll look at uh, down the track in potentially six to twelve months' time once. Uh, my family and I have settled in. I think it's something that I'll I'll look at implementing up here. And that's going to be awesome. Like if yeah, anybody who's in uh, who's in that area, and if you have a uh, if you're a goalkeeper yourself, or have anybody in your family who wants to be a goalkeeper, definitely uh, definitely recommend that one. Uh, just to talk about what's going on right now in in football and, and in Australia. Of course, the the A League is back in. Have you keeping tabs with uh, with the the elite of football in Australia, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, I, I keep I keep tabs on it, and I have quite a few uh, close friends that still play uh, in the A League. So I, I do enjoy watching them play and, and seeing their success. Who, who do you go for? Do you go for Perth because you used to do it there, or do you have another team that's uh, that's close to your heart? Um, I don't know if I'd say I'd have a, a club as such. I do like to see Perth do well from my years spending there, but. It's, it's it's mainly just seeing uh, my friends' teams do well. I just want to see them do well personally. What what, what have you been uh, thinking this this first uh, this first few games with uh, supposedly the better teams all the way at the bottom and and teams like Adelaide or even Brisbane playing so well? Yeah, uh, look, it, it's it's quite surprising. Uh, you, you see some of the the bigger clubs struggle, but I think also you have to think that it's only two games in, so. A lot can change by the end of the year, but it, it, it's always interesting when a, when a season starts off with the so-called bigger clubs struggling at the start because it, it puts a lot of pressure on them. And you see that uh, Melbourne City have already sacked their coach uh, after two games, which is which is crazy. So, mm. yeah. So some would say you want to do that early, but also, I mean, he, he was there last last season and probably the the grand final loss didn't help. Uh, but yeah, you think you uh, you think usually you'd give coach a bit more time and and for people who who follow the city group as a whole, there's a team in France where Patrick is Norbo is giving he's been given a lot of time in, in Troyes, <laughs> almost yeah. uh, on the way to get relegated again. So so it was interesting to see that they didn't do the the same thing here uh, to tie into what we're going to talk a little bit after as well. Um, Ad Adelaide uh, giving their chance to to the youth uh, and it's working out. Uh, well, for you, is that, is that you know obviously something very positive for for football here? But is that something that surprises you to see a, an A League team 
giving so much to, to young players? Yeah, well, it, it is surprising a little bit because it's not something that's happened a lot in the past. And it's good to see that they've actually got success from it last season and then also started the year off very strong. So hopefully uh, it, it sets a bit of a pathway for the rest of the teams in the league um, to actually give youth players or, or younger players in, in the country a, an opportunity to be able to play at that level. And as you can see from them in Central Coast last season, um, it seems to work. You'd think that's one of the solutions to make sure that uh, there's money coming into to football in Australia. You know, when you see uh, Nestor Irankunda, who's been linked with Bayern Munich over the, the summer, like if he keeps playing the way he plays, you, you think Australia should make a little bit of money in transfer if they sort out contracts and uh, and, and do all that the right way and then are able to uh, to sell their player like this. The, the good segue here and the good pathway of course Jordan your, your first trip to Canberra was uh, to join the AIS which uh, which unfortunately is no more but which was uh, I think you know unfortunately shut down two years after I came to Australia uh, which was I think something uh, pr pretty special and, and of French heritage we had our little we have still our little Clairefontaine in, in Paris which is so important for the, the development of, of youth um, you know the other day we were Listening to um, football friends, Ben Garocho and Stefan Mok, were talking about their time at the IS, mentioned you during the podcast as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know, your time at the Institute. Um, how did you uh, join the AIS at the time and, and you know, how important it was, I think, I guess? Yeah, so how I joined, um, there was, a, there was a, a competition called the NTC, which was which is where they got all the states together. It was kind of like a national championship um, and all the states played against each other and, and then they picked uh, some players to join the AIS. And uh, I was lucky enough to be one of those players. And the, the AIS, uh, I was there for three years and what it did was really make you grow as a, a person, but also a player. So I moved down when I was um, 14 years old and then a lot of responsibilities then become on your shoulders things like you know making sure you you've washed your clothes and you have them ready for school making sure you're you're up in the morning to get to school in time you're you're relied on to complete all your work without sort of any external pressure so it really made you uh grow up quite fast and just the platform that it it um gave you to actually step into the professional football world was excellent over there, we mentioned um, Stefan Mog, Ben Garuccio. You had Alex Gersbach, I think, was there as well while you were there. Quite a few players that uh, we've seen week in, week out in uh, in the ACT uh, as well. I was, I was just looking at the promotions uh, of your year when I was there, and I was like, oh, yeah, Canberra, Croatia, and Ganga United, and, and all those players that we, we've seen around, some of them who've played uh, in, in Europe as well, thinking about um, Timotheu. How, how important do you think this was for the development of young players uh, in Canberra? And, and I guess how, how bad it is that, that it's not no longer the case, that it's not there anymore. Yeah, I think Canberra was one of the places where it's hit most because now there, there is no real pathway or clear pathway for players in the ACT, at least when there was the AIS. Uh, a lot of the times people from those ACT teams got uh, brought in for training sessions and just exposure to that higher level. And now there really is is nothing for the people in Canberra. And it, it really takes uh, an A-League club to, to branch, out, branch out a trial, but there may only be a couple of those a year. 
So it, it really impacted Canberra football, and I think it still does to this day. From what you've seen at your time at Perth and, and from what you know, of course, from, from the rest of the league, do you think the, the A-League clubs are, are doing enough to sort of try and do the, the job that the AIS was doing as far as, you know, the academies and, and developing the youth? I, I think certainly um, when the AIS first stopped, I, I don't think that the A-League clubs were equipped enough to sort of take on that academy role. I think it's a good idea. Uh, although I don't think it was fully set up in place to be able to stop the AAS just yet. Um, I think maybe in five to 10 years time, the A-League clubs will be well-developed and set up uh, to sort of have these academies and run them without having sort of a national-wide program. Uh, but like you say, in Canberra, that doesn't help because there's no A-League team to, ha to have an academy based under it. Do, do you think um, it also um, sort of like Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, broke a little bit uh, a couple of generations, not being able to find each other at the AIS. Uh, you know, to we think about the golden generation of those players that were in Canberra in the 90s and, and only 2000 and, and learn how to play together from a young age and then, you know, play together through uh, the, the youth ranks and the Oliros, etc. of the national team. Um, do you think not having the AIS is also a, an issue as far as this goes? Yeah, definitely. I know even for when my age group was there, there was talk that the, the program was going to get disbanded. And I knew that affected us because we weren't sure if there was a future within the AS program. So I can only imagine afterwards when the program was actually disbanded, what it did for those uh, those age groups coming through and their efforts to try and qualify for things like World Cups and Olympic Games. Speaking of, of course, you, you were part of, uh, of the national team uh, at Young Level up until the Holy Roos. Uh, you, you know, what, what, what goes to your mind when you're that age and, and you're selected uh, by Australia and you're wearing the, well, the green and gold shirt, not when you're a goalkeeper, but you have the, the colors around you? Uh, how, how, you know, how did you live through that? Um, yeah, that was excellent. The, the exposure to international football. So my, my first Australian team was the under 13 side. So it was quite early when I got exposure to that international football. And it's just an amazing experience going to all different countries that you would never imagine traveling to, uh, to try and essentially qualify for these World Cups and Olympic Games. Um, and sort of the real takeaway I, I took from international football is there is no second chances. Uh, If your team has an off night uh, or gets unlucky, uh, you miss out on those opportunities. And that, that's definitely what happened in part of um, my age groups coming through. We, we had one off night or, or, you know, one decision that doesn't go your way. And then next minute you're on a plane home. Yeah, true. And I think we are going to talk about it a bit later, but in your position, uh, it's, it's even more true uh, as a goalkeeper. What, what do you think, you know, at, at, at that age, um, Players on the field, you see so many of them uh, and, and sort of you get to try and put a team together, goalkeepers, um, you see that many, but you really need to find the one that's better than anybody else. Uh, what do you think made you at that time sort of the best goalkeeper of that generation to, to represent Australia? What were sort of like uh, the, the strengths that set you apart or that you could tell coaches were seeing in you? um oh that's tough um T time to toot your own no, horn <laughs> nah not, not, not something i like to do um but probably probably consistency um i might not have been a 10 out of 10 every game but i'd, I'd try and aim for it 
sort of in that eight out of 10 area and, and try to limit my uh, poor games as much as possible. And I think that's probably something that helped me along the years was just that consistency uh, sort of week in, week out or game to game. You you were playing with the Oliroos around the, the, the Olympic time without, um, without, without doing the Olympics. So how does that feel? It's interesting because Mok and, and Garocho were talking, talking about that during their uh, their podcast about futsal competition that they missed, etc. When you're playing, when you're a younger player, when you're part of that setup, and then you don't get call, like how do you how do you work around the emotions and and I guess the disappointment? Yet you know to to be disappointed, you have to be part of the conversation. Yeah, look, it, it's it's difficult. Um, I was sort of lucky enough in and around those age groups that I didn't sort of miss out on any teams. But what, what you could relate to on that would be not playing in the team. You might be in the squad, but you're in and around the squad, but not actually playing. And, that, and that's a, a very difficult place to be because you have to mentally stay switched on uh, because you never know when the opportunity may come. But at the same time, you're not playing and you're watching the games happen. Um, so it, it is very tough mentally when you're in that sort of situation. Could you could you see at the time you know the, the players that were uh, in that setup then um, excelled in a way uh, in 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 World Cups and and now uh, all around the world I think Australian football is getting more and more tractions because there are some talents. Could you tell then that there was some special talent growing up in that generation? Yeah, definitely. I, I think one that stands out for me was the Young Socceroos team that I was a part of. That was an absolutely fantastic team, and there's three four Socceroos out of that and probably three or four that are very close to getting caps for the Socceroos so that that me personally that was probably the most talented team I've been a part of and that was one we actually didn't qualify for the World Cup we it was one of those things where we went went through unbeaten but we won one and drew two and didn't make it out of the group just on goal difference and it was just one of those circumstances where things didn't fall our way ball didn't drop in the back of the net or hit the post or something like that and I think that was probably the most talented team I've been a part of that didn't get to achieve that World Cup status. What you talk about those uh, those details, like you said, that where you you don't you don't get a second chance. Uh, but, but back to you and and club football. Um, so you know, with with the the national team, of course, you you had the uh, the eyes of the A League uh, on you, and you ended up uh, playing with uh, with Perth for for a while. How how did you think? professional football in Australia was then when you see sort of when you know where it was before and when you see where, where it's gone now the time where you were there um how, how did you think football was going um I, I think it was a lot of older players played when I when I was sort of in that a-league setup and um now it, it, it's changed massively and I think it goes back to what we spoke about earlier and the need to develop these young players and get transfer fees to to make sure the longevity of these clubs is there. Um, I don't know if that was a real focus when I was involved in A-League because I think there was a lot better TV deals um, and that kind of thing. Uh, it was on Fox Sports every week. It was a bit more mainstream, I guess you could say, where now you, you, these clubs really need to look at their longe longe longevity uh, to make sure that they, they do play these players and give them an opportunity. You... You were at Perth. You were uh, coached by Kenny Lowe. He made he made a, an appearance back. How was it uh, being tried by uh, by Mr. Lowe? I, I talking to my Perth friend. I'm told that he was well liked, yet sometimes polarizing. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he was a he was a funny character, and I'll always be thankful for Kenny for giving me my uh, first professional deal. But uh, it was definitely interesting being coached under him, and I know that he'd sort of been uh, it was his first role, I believe, in as actually a senior manager, and uh, we had a lot of sort of polarizing figures within the team that he had to deal with, which was very interesting as well. Um, so no, he he was very good. There are chats right now um, of Australia's second division uh, coming in. Supposedly, we're getting an announcement in a, in a couple of days. There's there's leaks of the eight club that would be part of it. No one in Canberra, uh, as as we do, we miss out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's not final. But so far, that's what they say. Uh, what are your thoughts of of a national second division, uh, which apparently is starting in 2024? I mean, I think obviously it is a positive move. But do you see that as as being risky, it's it's a, a setup that looked like the natural setup for football with clubs that are already done, but it's not what the A-League has been doing for the past 20 years, where, where clubs have been built sort of out of those things with, with the franchise. Uh, I think, how do you think those two um, types of club funding can merge? Look, it's interesting, and I, I definitely think it, it can be a good thing. Um, I know it's something I would have loved to have when I was sort of coming through the ranks. I would have loved to have um, that as an option of a second division to be able to play at sort of that highest level in, in senior football. Uh, and I, I think in that sense, it's a great opportunity for young players coming through. Uh, but I do feel like it at the start, it will be predominantly a young players league, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, I guess the biggest uh, worry or fear is just how they're going to be able to do this financially. Um, when you see some of the, the A-League clubs that are struggling financially year in, year out, I'm unsure how a second division is going to come in and be financially viable. I really hope it does because it, it will um, be so beneficial for young players in this country. It just It's all how it's going to be set up. And it's interesting that they've got it to start in 2024 when nothing's been announced, which is interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's only six weeks or eight weeks away, 2024. So, uh, so it it does feel like a, a little bit of a, a last minute things. Queensland, you know, you're in Queensland uh, now. If if clubs are part of the national second division, they can't be part of the NPL. Surely that's the wrong move. Uh, from 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 there, uh, you know, other. Clubs are said to do what the A-League would do, which is the NPL would be with their academy. The NPL is still very important, I think, for the, the football landscape. Um, what, what do you think is the best way to organize that? Is under 23 the right way? Or do you think if you're part of one of those competitions, then you shouldn't be part of the NPL? Well, I, I don't have any problem with if they're in the second division, they're under 23s play in the, the NPL, but it, it will just work like like it does now, if, if the team's not up to standard, they'll get relegated. And you've seen that happen in, in leagues in Melbourne and some of those clubs be relegated and eventually they'll get to the standard and they'll, uh, because of the club's ambitions and they'll, they'll get themselves promoted back up. But as long as, long as the quality's there, I don't see any issue being in, in the second division, but also have a reserve grade or under 23s in the NPL. You'd hope that, uh, that we made a decision in Queensland if the, so second chair does happen and there's a team from up there which there are talks about it um that that they they do change their mind it's always uh it's always funny here when football starts going well there's somebody who come in and makes a a, we a weird decision that way uh but let's talk about you and and your position jordan i'm i'm very interesting 
uh, of course, in in how a goalkeeper uh, works. I'm, I've never been a goalkeeper myself. I'm, I'm, I'm more of an art fielder. Uh, by definition, a unique position in, in football. You're the only one in, in the team with, with, your, uh, with your substitute. Um, in my youth, I, I used to uh, listen to Fabien Barthez because he was my favorite keeper and, and no one that was uh, playing for my team. Uh, and, and he kept talking a lot about the loneliness in his role and the fact that he was from uh, southwest of French, which is known to be very, very warm. Uh, and so that helped him in, in his role. And that's why he wasn't taking life too seriously because in his work as a goalkeeper, he had to be so so serious and always switched on. Uh, that all or nothing sort of mentality. You said it. You know, when when your team misses out on something, uh, there can be nothing else. Well, when you're the goalkeeper, even if your team plays amazing, if you make one mistake, you you, you pay for it. If you're the best goalkeeper in the world, but it doesn't play well, it's still going to be on you. Sometimes when you concede you know, sort of like, hey, what drove you to become a keeper? Sort of like knowing all this already as a, as a warning, you still went to, you still went for that position. Uh, and do you agree that it needs to be, uh, you need to have a special mentality to, to play that position? Oh, I think definitely you need to have a special mentality. And what drove me to be a goalkeeper, I was never a goalkeeper growing up. Uh, my brother is actually a striker. So uh, eventually he made me just going goals all the time. So I got pushed into goals most of the time and then started to enjoy it. And from there, I became a goalkeeper. But growing up all the years, I was probably up until under 11s, under 12s, I was never a goalkeeper. Um, I always played up front myself. But that, that's the reason why I became a goalkeeper. And yeah, and no, I'm thankful for these, uh, to this day that, it, that he has because, you know, I've, I've, I've had a decent career and, and stuff like that um, and really enjoyed myself as a goalkeeper. Um, but definitely the, the mental side of it is a tough thing and it's a tough thing for, for goalkeepers growing up. And I probably relate back to my experience um, at the AIS to sort of toughen me mentally, um, really making me grow up at an early age. And I, I think that was important uh, to bring that mentality onto the field. And it is quite a mature position. And that's why I think you see goalkeepers have their better years later in life because they their head is in such a, a better position and they probably understand the role a lot more and what it entails. Um, but th there's a lot of difficulties growing up as a, as a goalkeeper. There's the pressure you, you get put on you and the pressure you get from yourself and from your team. Uh, and if a mistake does happen, how you actually have the resilience to bounce back is a huge thing. And I know it's a huge thing what clubs are looking for with, play uh, with players coming through that uh, if they do make a mistake, um, it's not so much the mistake they make, it's how, how they bounce back from it. How do you help them so through your academy? I mean, you said it, you've coached, uh, you know, north of 100 uh, goalkeepers. Uh, you, you know, sort of what kind of advice do you give young and less young goalkeepers, you know, to try and get through that, to try and understand that one mistake is just a mistake, that the game is not over? Uh, how do you help keepers getting through that? Uh, th there's lots of ways that we that we try and help, but probably the most basic one is if you can relate back to training, don't uh, don't let a bad action turn into a bad set, and don't let a bad set turn into a bad training session. So, it, essentially, if you if you drop a ball, uh, you have to clear your mind as soon as possible to make sure for that whole set of uh, what you're doing within that drill, you don't uh, drop the ball five times. You only drop it that once, and you can clear the mind, and that way you can really turn it around and have a a solid training session and. And the thought behind that is if you do make a mistake in a game and we've all done it, I've done it multiple times, is 
how to how to clear your head and make sure for the rest of the game you can, you can perform and you're not just caught up on that one action. Not to put you on the spot there, but I just, I just thought of something. You know, is there anything that you wish um, coaches would change? You know, those teams that don't have a a, a goalkeeper coach. Uh, you know, is there anything that, as you were a goalkeeper, training with the whole group and with the whole affiliate, is there something you wish was a bit different uh, in the way coaches treat their goalkeeper in training that you think would be would be helpful to uh, to the future goalkeepers? Yeah, I, I think if a lot of sort of head coaches had it had a more broad knowledge of, of goalkeeping, it would help. Um, and I think it's very important for, for clubs to have a goalkeeper coach um, to be able to work with goalkeepers coming through. Uh, that way it actually probably gives the head coach somebody to lean on as well. If Instead of, uh, you know, uh, getting upset with their goalkeeper, they can go to and speak with their goalkeeper coach first and, and really understand what's actually happened in that action. Uh, and if it was the goalkeeper's fault, or if not, how can they improve on it? Sure. And and the role is only getting uh, harder uh, the, the past, what, 10, 10 years maybe, the, the, the rise of Pep Guardiola and all the coaches that are imitating him. Um, goalkeepers are asked to be uh, outfielders and, and of course it's sort of work. It's it's even, it's harder to press a team when the goalkeeper is the, the 12th player, the 11th player, excuse me, and who can actually play with his foot. Is that a change that you think is positive is that harder are we going to miss out on great goalkeepers because we also ask him them to to be as good with their feet now look potentially but it's the way the game's evolving i know when i first started it was it was never a thing that i had to use my feet uh, or had to be high quality with my feet i could just lump it along and stand there and make saves and and take crosses but the, the game's developed and you've seen uh the style of play that majority of clubs have this day actually relies heavily on their goalkeeper and a, a lot of how they start their attacks or start their play relies on the goalkeeper so with that the, you, you have to develop with the times and evolve and i think that's what goalkeeping has done with keepers like edison uh, that are just absolutely fantastic with their feet uh, but also bring the other side of goalkeeping and i i think if you if you want to make it professionally these days that that's where it's evolved to and that's what you have to be is, there, is this a, a particular focus uh, in your academy as well, making sure that th those goalkeepers are all-rounders and uh, and that they definitely can't just skip, uh, calling it leg day just for the, uh, the the pun, but they they can't skip the, the football? Yeah, definitely. It, it has to be a, a holistic approach um, to, to goalkeeping, which is what we, which we always look to implement. It, in, in the A-League right now, when, when you see them played, there's a bit of both, I guess, uh, as far as uh, on side of the spectrum. You got some very uh, experienced goalkeepers who've been uh, in Europe and, and then back in Australia. And then you've got some young up-and-coming with, <clears throat> with Gauchi, of course, uh, probably the, the poster boy of that right now. Uh, how do you think the, the, the goalkeepers are performing right now? Yeah, look, not too bad. Uh, I think Gauchi is... The best goalkeeper for me in the league i think he's excellent um and i do think he deserves opportunity within within the soccero squad and also potentially overseas somewhere but again that's that's moving towards the the newer approach of goalkeeping you, you got excellent goalkeepers like uh vukovic but also he didn't grow up in the generation where you, where you needed to use your feet as much but he's also very effective um as a goalkeeper so um he was actually he actually played in front of me at perth and um 
was an excellent role model and you can see that he still plays to this day all these years later um, because of his high quality. Such an interesting comparison as well, Vukovic and Gauci, right? Even the uh, even their, their, the way their body is built uh, clearly says, you know, what, what the training they've gone through and, and what was important sort of back then uh, versus now, where just with the morph- morphology and, uh, and what that looked like. It's, uh, yeah, I guess it shows how, how the role has uh, has evolved in, in recent years. Uh, with the academy, with you playing in terms of course, etc., are, is that something that you're pursuing, trying to get a uh, sort of like a goalkeeping coach um, career, something in the back of your head? You know, once uh, I know what it is to have kids and to uh, to be poor in time, uh, once there's more time. Uh, maybe maybe down the track. It's not something I'm looking at at, at this stage. Like you say, maybe when my kids have uh, have grown up and I have a little bit more time on my hands, then maybe. But at the moment, I got my hands full. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Uh, to to finish uh, and go back in uh, in the capital, uh, you know, we, we quickly talked about Frank and and you were quite nice with him. Is he is he really a good coach? Like p- people were talking about, but is he that good? <laughs> yeah, Frank's excellent. He has a he has a crazy ability of of bringing people together, and and for me, he's one of the best coaches I've ever worked with, and and it's purely because of that. Uh, he, he could bring a group together and, and uh, that 2022 year when he was the coach, um, we, we had a pretty much a brand new team of people from here, there and everywhere from different states and that kind of thing. And the way he made us gel so quickly, and it wasn't even on the park where we gelled, it was it was off the park and just he created such a good culture and environment that he, he's up there with one of the best coaches for me. Have a lot of time for Frank. That, that, that's nice. Kind of hope that he's... Uh... He goes back into uh, into coaching as well after taking a, his break. I'm sure he's in plenty of demand, and uh, and hopefully he'll he'll, he'll get somewhere. Uh, we with with Canberra, you know, with all the coaches, with all the the goalkeeper, excuse me, that you've coached and and the talented player that you've played against uh, as a goalkeeper that have tried to put the ball past you. Uh, how do you rate the the talent in the capital right now? And uh, and is there any uh, sort of like player that that you think or I think more importantly, goalkeeper uh, that are up and coming in the capital that we should keep an eye on? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll start with the quality. I think the quality is quite good. It's just it's just hard with the amount of players. So there's a lot of good um, a lot of good players within the league. It just uh, probably could do with stronger teams as a whole. Uh, but there is definitely a lot of quality players that could uh, could potentially make it at a, at a higher level. And, and I think we've seen that over the coming years or the last few years, I should say, sorry, um, of players actually getting opportunities at A-League level. So the talent is there um, within different teams. It's just, I guess, up to these A-League clubs to be able to to find it. And I think they, they slowly are with players going to, to Central Coast and Newcastle and these type of clubs. Uh, in terms of players coming through, well, you... You have Dylan uh, Perrick Cullen, who's at the Central Coast Mariners now. So he used to be with our academy and he sat on the bench the other night for the AFC Cup game, which was excellent for him and also signed a scholarship contract at um, the Central Coast. And I think he'll be a big one for the future. I I believe he's only 17 years old, could potentially even be younger. Um, But I I think he has a big future in the game. Great great build and uh, for a goalkeeper and has that real holistic approach to goalkeeping where it can do it all. Uh, so I think he's definitely one to look out for. And then you've got um, keepers that are still in the, the league or played in the league last year of Severans, uh, who was at O'Connor Knights. 
So he's a young keeper coming through, had an excellent season, and um, I'd really like to see him get an opportunity at an A League club, one of their youth, uh, in one of their youth teams. And you also got uh, Noah Cross, who was uh, at Gungarland, who made his debut for Gungarland last year, coming through through a couple of injuries and, and took his chance and became the starting keeper by the end of the season. Uh, and he's another young keeper coming through that, again, I'd like to see him get an opportunity at an A League club. Um, in one of their youth teams to really develop and um, showcase their ability. Fingers crossed when Alexi Miss coming to Canberra uh, next year or, or maybe the following, you'd hope that, you know, the, the way uh, the way Canberra United does it for, for the women as well, uh, that they do look uh, inwards and, and in the talent in the capital to... Uh, to give them a chance that would give them the, the the pathway back right which is which is all we want in Canberra. yeah definitely i i think once uh, i know it's been talked about and it was announced that a a-league club is coming to Canberra, and i think as soon as that gets uh put in place and the, there is an academy under it i think i think you'll see the talent within canberra skyrocket uh from the level of coaches that will come into the academy uh, and just pretty much the opportunities that will come with the with the academy and having a a league club within Canberra. Just just can't wait. We're already getting more and more uh, grounds like that that uh, home of football that's being built, almost finished near Quimbien uh, is looking pretty special. We were there uh, last week to have a look at it. So uh, so now we we just need uh, yeah we just need that elite team and hopefully one in second division. Uh, whatever they say, yeah. uh, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for your your time. Thanks for for humility as well. It's great to talk to you because uh, just because you're very you're very grounded for somebody with with that talent. Uh, what can we wish you for uh, for 2024 uh, w- with the the career and and you know with your settling in such a cost? Yeah, definitely for life. It's um, settling in uh, on in Queensland is just. It's been excellent so far, and uh, I'm just looking forward to sort of enjoying life with my family. I got two young kids and a and a wife, and um, we've just been loving since we've been here. And it's just going to be lots of beach days and lots of fun uh, for 2024. And then, uh, in terms of football, I, I really hoped for a, for a good year ahead. The club I've signed for is a is a very strong uh, club within uh, the NPL in Queensland, and I know their expectations are uh to win to win things and they've made the round of 32 and and beyond in the in the fa cup uh, many years uh many times and i know that will be the expectation this year and i just really hope for a successful season coming up well you've you've uh, you've won a few things yourself and you got that experience so so i'm sure they they've done their work and picked the the right keeper for it thanks jordan Th- thank you for your time and uh, and good luck in sunshine Coast. we we look forward to uh, watching all that no worries. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on. What a goal! Max Green with a stunner. Daniel Balac, he must score. He's going to score. Canberra Croatia leads. Real chance at the far post for McCarthy, and they've got one back. It's unbelievable. What a finish! It's in. It's one-one.